and uh, last Friday at work, I got myself into a bit of a fix with my mouth. Um, I was able to get myself out of it with my mouth too. So, but in that, I started thinking that I knew there was a lesson for me in what had happened. Uh, so, wasn't the word digging for stuff? Come across this passage in James. It spoke to me, and then I started thinking about it, and I said, I'm quite sure uh, that it would speak to you guys, too. So that's where we're at. We're going to be in James 3, uh, verses 3 through 12, as, as we go along. I want you to follow along, but uh, let's go ahead and pray before we get going. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together and delve into your word, Lord. Uh, please bless the message as it goes out and uh, lands on who it's supposed to, Lord. Uh, Thank you for Brother Mike coming through his surgery and everything working well so that he can be back in this pulpit in your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so y'all have all heard the saying that talk is cheap, um, which is extremely true. Because words don't cost you anything. You guys can blabber on about anything you want to. And now in this age of technology... Uh, it's taking new forms. I mean, your text and then Uvu and Skype and then Facebook and everything. All those are ways for whatever's in your head for you to convey those to somebody else. So you've got more of a challenge now than you did 100 years ago, all through history until 100 years ago, unless somebody was standing right beside you and witnessed you saying them, that was the only truth to what you said. The only proof that you even said it was somebody else saying, yeah, I saw him say that. So words would come out, and wherever they landed, there was no backup. Now, it's everywhere. Everything you do, you guys are on video at school. I'm sure they got cameras there. There's cameras on the red lights. There's cameras in the stores. Um, you put yourself on camera all the time. And you, don't, you take for granted that maybe you're just talking to someone, and you don't realize that there's 100 people or 1,000 people all in on your conversation. Uh, so you can do damage to your testimony and not even know you did it. Something can come out of your mouth and yeah, that you didn't even mean the same way. Sometimes somebody will put something on Facebook and they mean it a certain way, but because there's no enunciation, there's no facial expressions, it gets construed completely wrong because it's just this blanket statement that just sits there. And you can delete it, but then it doesn't go away because... Who knows how many people saw it before you deleted it. So it, it's there. It's permanent. Um, everybody in this room has the power to lift somebody up with something they've said or to completely devastate somebody. Every single one of y'all. And I'm sure that everybody in this room has had your feelings hurt by something someone said to you. And everyone in this room has said something to somebody and hurt their feelings. Sometimes not intentionally, sometimes very intentionally. And that's, I mean, to a person, everyone in here has done, has been on both of those scenarios. Um, most all y'all have seen Mean Girls, you know, when they're in the auditorium and they start, you know, going through who has been harmed by the plastics. You know, that's the way it is. That's how, that's life. I mean, it's a silly movie, but it is. That's the way... Every day as you're in school, as you're saying something to somebody else, somebody is passing by, and you don't know who hears it. You don't know 
who's affected by what you said. And then sometimes when you have an argument or you're mad at somebody or you, wanna, you spread gossip, somebody tells you something and you can't wait to pass it on, you have no idea how far out that reaches in the negative impact or in turn the positive impact your words can have. Um, the power of persuasion goes far past just hurting somebody's feelings though. You can critically damage your testimony by the words and, and your actions. And you can control your words. You can control your actions, but your mind is constantly working. Your mouth is the only way to try to articulate exactly what's going on. Your body language says a lot, but the words that come out of your mouth are exactly what, and some of us don't have a filter, so it's exactly what's on your mind right then, and it just comes flying out too. Um, God bless you, those of you who don't have a filter. I don't have much of one, but I can stop some things from coming out. Um, anyway, go to James 3, verse 3 and 4. If you put that up, please. If we put bits into our mouths of horses, make them obey this, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants them to go. Um, that's a great example of how something so small can control something enormous. I mean, you see these enormous ships, and at the bottom of the ship, there's this small rudder in comparison that can steer that entire thing. Um, same thing with a horse. You've got a, this enormous, strong animal, and you've got this little bit in its mouth. But if you pull it the right way, that's the way it's going to go. That's the way uh, James referenced the, your tongue. It controls mainly the perception of others of you. So how you present yourself to somebody can, is basically controlled in your tongue. Um, that's how we control what, however think of us. How we paint the picture of how we want people to think of us. Or we can say something very damning of, us, of somebody else and change their, somebody else's perception of that person. So you can harm somebody with your words. You can lift somebody up with your words. Um, they have an infinite amount of power, but they don't truly prove anything. Um, you know, the tired old saying, you are what you do in the dark or when you're alone. It's really true. I mean, when you're alone, you can't uh, lie to God. What you, what you are inside is what you are. But you can say, dress, and act like whatever it is you want to be. You know, there was a guy that was in our, I taught Sunday school to him when he was going off to college, he was going to reinvent himself. Because when he got to this new school, nobody knew him, nobody knew anything about his past, so he could dress, act, talk, and say anything he wanted to and create this whole new persona because he didn't necessarily like who he was before. I tried to explain to him, it's who you are on the inside that is going to come forth. It's going to come out. You can hold it and fake it. I mean, I'm a salesman for a living. The stuff I sell, I sell Mack trucks, they cost you know, $125,000, $150,000, every one of them. And if I don't sell three or four of them every month, uh, I don't pay my house payment. So... I have to be pretty persuasive to convince people to give me that much money at one time on a regular basis, month in, month out, for the last 17 years, something like that. Um, so I could stand up here and convince you guys 
of almost anything I wanted to convince you of. I mean, I could convince you that I was just this absolute stud in high school, and yeah, I blew my knee out, and that's the only reason I didn't go to college and on to the NFL, or that I won a ping pong championship or something. I mean, as long as I knew a little bit about the subject, a little more than you did, I could convince you that I was a genius about that. And you guys would have no reason to not believe me. I mean, I'm older than you guys. I'm standing up here. So it would be very believable. So I could paint this picture of who I am. And none of it would be true. And all y'all would leave thinking, hey, Mr. Eric, he, was, you know, he can beast in ping pong. If we ever you know, have a tournament or something, I don't want to be against him because he's like a world-class athlete. You know? And you guys, you know, most of you would have bought into it. Some of y'all would want to challenge me. Some of y'all would have been in my garage and beat me in ping pong. So you would know that wasn't true. So as soon as you got out, then you know I was a liar. So then anything I said would be construed as a lie up here, even though the only thing I lied about was being a beast of ping pong. So that's the way, as people perceive what you're saying to them, one lie, one misstep can really ruin everything you spent your life working for. Um, if people really know you know your heart, then you can get over that. But once you hurt somebody, I mean, there's people who have said things, you know, you'll see them on Oprah and all these other shows all the time, that something happened when they were kids and they said something to them they were fat and ugly or whatever, and 40 years from now, they're still a train wreck. Now, they've used that as an excuse generally to let their life spiral. But people remember, I remember things, I'm 42 years old, I remember things somebody told me when I was 10 or 12 years old. I mean, I don't remember everything, but there are certain things that stuck out. Uh, some of them were really good, some of them weren't. So if I can remember things with a horrific memory 30 years later, um, it's just a testament to say to really guard your words as much as you guard your actions. A lot of you guys you know, won't do things because you're good Christian kids and you know you're not supposed to do those things. But then you fall into saying things uh, that are just as bad as doing them in the perception that others have of you. And perception is reality, unfortunately. Because that's all we have to go on. The way you perceive something is the basis of how, what you believe about it. So if I tell you something and you believe it's true, then you believe it's just as true as that these walls are here or there's carpet on the floor. If there's not a way to disprove it then, and you believe it, then it's just as real. Um, figure out where we're at here. So as I would try and sit and stand up here and fool you all into something, all of us play that game. Um, we all perceive ourselves a little better than we are generally, or a little better looking than we are, especially guys. Um, you know, a guy loses like two pounds or lifts weights for like a week and he's in the mirror and he's flexing. Uh, most girls don't see it that way. They are, girls are a little harder on themselves than guys. It doesn't take much for a guy to feel good about himself. But you fool yourself into having this magic mirror, you know, you're, you know, you're looking, you're like, man, I still got it, you know? You're thinking, this is all right. And in reality, you don't look any different than they did two or three days. Nobody's going to notice that you lost two pounds, you know? Once you drop like 40, then somebody will notice something. But you notice something, and immediately your perception of yourself changes for the better or the worse. Uh, and that is definitely a girl-boy thing. 
And I wish girls would have the same view that boys do of themselves because uh, the world would be really topsy-turvy. Um, but just know, people lie. I mean, people lie a lot. I wouldn't doubt that there's somebody in this room that has lied before, which is, it might have been me. Uh, but the words are just a shallow representation of our true thoughts mixed with how we want our audience to perceive them. And that sounds like a cool quote from a book, doesn't it? But, but I won't be prideful and tell you that I made that up, but I did, I made that up. But it is. Our thoughts, you know, as we try to use our words to express who we are, how we feel, whatever it is we're trying to get through right then, um, they're all slanted to get the viewer or who's hearing you to think the way you want them to perceive it. Um, I really, I told you, I really stink at memorization. Um, I've been in church like my whole life, and I don't know all the words of Amazing Grace. I can't remember the lyrics to any songs except for like Beastie Boys and Sugar, Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight. I still remember almost all of that, but I can't remember a lot of things. And when it comes, you know, the older you get and you've been in church for a while, you got these people that have studied the Bible and they retain so much. And they're those verse people that, you know, as soon as they say something, they'll quote a verse and they know exactly where it's at. And it really aggravates me because I can't really remember any. But one that has always stuck out to me uh, that I can actually remember is James 2.17. It says, faith without works is dead in and by itself. So if we profess to be Christians, that we have a love affair with Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us, but there's no outward sign of that, including our words, then it says that our faith is dead, or it was never real in the first place. So if your Christianity is church once or twice a week, and then all the other time you look absolutely positively exactly like everybody else or worse, then you really need to spend some time in the Word and see what it is that you really believe. Now, I'm not going to stand here to question anybody's salvation. That is not what I mean. But I'm saying if there's not been a turn away from sin, which, which starts the sanctification process, which takes your whole life, um, then there's something wrong. Because if you've done that, then you won't defile people with your mouth when you get the Holy Spirit residing in you. And the person you're defiling may have the Holy Spirit living in it, so you're defiling God. So it's the, the way the tongue is represented with, the, with hell and the devil all through the Bible is just, it was alarming to me as I looked because I really didn't realize it because I'm not one of the people that remembers everything I read. But, you know, we can say that we believe in Jesus. We believe that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. That he's protected us and saved us from an unfathomable wrath. You know, we've heard the, all the Bible stories, you know, that we believe in this book, that it's infallible, that everything in it is true, and that it's ultimately that God speaks to us. But if we say those things, and then there's no action that follows behind them, then those are idle words or lies. And there's a, a strong penalty that comes with that. Uh, go to James 3.5, please. 
It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. So here we are stuck with this, tongue, this boasting tongue that sets fires that we can't put out. And just like a spark could set a fire that would blaze, once your words come out of your mouth, you can't take them back. Once you said something to somebody, you can say you're sorry. You can apologize. You can try and make up for it. But it doesn't stop the fact that they've already, it's already transpired. You can't stop them, and normally they grow, uh, especially the ones that you don't want to grow, just like a spark in a thing. You know, nobody means to set a forest fire except for lack of uh, arsonists. But uh, you can change somebody's life forever. I mean, y'all seen what little bit of news y'all watch, because I don't watch it much more than you because it's usually bad is kids that got bullied on Facebook or got bullied by text and committed suicide. Those are just words. But they hurt enough for somebody that was somewhat mentally unstable probably to start with, took their own life just based on somebody's harsh words. It just shows you the power, you know, and then you'll see somebody will say something nice to you and how that resonates. I mean, who ever has had too many compliments? I mean, if somebody says something nice to you, you usually remember, and you think better of that person. I walked in somewhere a while back, and I just got a haircut, and this woman said, told me I looked 10 years younger after I got my haircut. You know, I, I flipping loved her, you know? And I didn't change the way my, I tried to, like, duplicate that, like, for a long time, because, like, 10 years, I mean, that's, especially once you hit 40, you know, that's a huge gap to be back to being 30. My knees wouldn't hurt when I run or anything. That'd be like pretty awesome. But she just said, and she might not even a minute. I really think she did because my hair looked great that day. But, sure. but she took about half a second to say something nice. And that was two years ago. And I still remember it. I don't remember everything mean that people have said to me because I work with some pretty ridiculously crude and inhumane people that thrive on anything they can use. And it's, it's a lot like high school where I work. Because anything you do, if you miss a step, if I send an email that doesn't have correct punctuation or whatever, they'll print it out banner size and run it all across the front of the lobby. I mean, it is just brutal all the time. So there's not a whole lot of love shared between the guys in our office because we're constantly on guard that somebody's going to hurt you. And you're also on guard, unfortunately, to find something to do to them, to get them back. It's not right, but it, it is, uh, this is true. Uh, go to verse 6, please. So the tongue is also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. I get the feeling that James is not real happy with the tongue. I mean, everything that comes out about this is just this vileness that you're, I mean, your tongue itself is set on fire by hell. That's pretty strong words. So the word of evil corrupts the whole body set on fire by hell. It's hard to think of that part of your body could set the whole course of your life to hell. But it can. I mean, we had the ability with our words to lead somebody away from the will of God. Not even really meaning to. I mean, you've got a husband and wife both of them would be believers, but one of them doesn't believe in tithing. So they don't stay in God's will. 
when it comes to tithing. Or if you, I mean, I've seen this a lot in working with youth. A student decides, you know, they're called to missions, and their parents are vehemently against it. And generally, their parents are good Christian people. But they're like, there's no way you're going to wherever it is. You know, that's not for you. And if a person is truly called to go somewhere on a mission, then they're called. Now, if there's been no, if it was just all of a sudden you shut up church and everybody's going to Honduras and you're like, sweet, I want to go to Honduras. And you've been a butthole to your parents for like all this time, then yeah, they're not going to think that you've been in deep prayer and thought and sought God's will and that, yep, they're meant to go on a mission trip. But if, if you've been living it out, then you pose this to your parents. You would hope it'd be received with open arms. And unfortunately, even in kids that live it out, their parents are still like, absolutely not. There is no way. You're not going to a foreign country. There's too many bad things can happen, this and that. You know, they don't trust in God's protection or in God's will because it's his will, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You can't stop it. He's God. He made everything. If you don't think he can take care of this little bit of your life that you're here on earth, but he's going to take care of your eternity, that's pretty silly. I mean, if he can't have you for 60 or 80 years, then obviously he can't handle you forever. Um, I kind of feel sorry for you guys because of the age of technology. Because if you think about it, all technology is is a way of communicating. Things were simpler up until the computer age. Now, things are better. If somebody asks me something that I can't think of, I can pull my phone up, and within about four or five seconds, I've got the answer. But it's also gotten me lazy where I don't study some things because I know that I can pull my phone in four or five seconds, so why would I learn them? I mean, none of you guys write in cursive anymore, right? Do they even do that in school? I mean, there's so many things that have gone by the wayside. You guys are going to be awesome typists. I mean, all y'all can type. I'm positive all y'all can type better than I can. And I work on a computer almost every day. But you guys have grown up with this burst of technology. And all that technology is is communication. It's all another form of talking, really. I mean, no matter what it is what you do with the Internet or television, all of it is media that is conveying a thought to you. And in the end, when you keep on getting layer to layer to layer to layer from computer to computer, where originally it came from somewhere, and it came out of somebody's head, and it got spread all throughout. So it's whoever started that, whatever it is, whether it was Facebook, whether it's a television show, somebody thought it up and wanted to convey a thought. But instead of saying it to you directly, it's been spread through this mass of communication. Um, but because of that, you can have people that can hide behind a computer screen and bully and do things that they would never, ever, ever do face-to-face. And there's a disconnect. You know, you guys will be at a part. I've seen, you know, a pile of y'all have been at my house and we'll be doing game night or whatever, playing games, doing whatever. There's a whole group of you having a big time together. But everybody's phone, is in, include mine, is like sitting right here. And they're constantly checking it. Like what they're doing isn't cool enough with the people that they're at that they need this constant check-in from people who aren't there. 
And it can be people who are like best friends. And I'm thinking if your very best friends are here and you're having a large time, who else could you be waiting for a text from? You know, why, why do you have to constantly go outside of where you're at, where you've got human beings who are talking, getting together, laughing, enjoying each other's company? But you have to check out of that to go electronically to somebody else's bedroom where somebody's bored and not doing anything. You know, saying, what's up, nothing, bored, uh, I'm whatever. Or you can't tell them where you're at because they didn't get invited or whatever it is. You know, I don't, you know it's, it's kind of sad because face-to-face normal conversations just don't happen like they used to. You know, when I was a teenager, people talked on the phone, like a lot. I mean, would absolutely burn it up. Of course, there were no cell phones until I was in my 20s, the first cell phone came out. But, you know, as a teenager, I mean, you, you lived on your phone. It was so much that your parents would buy another line so they could use the phone. And you talked. Now, it's still not face-to-face, but it still at least was normal communication, the way God had wanted you to communicate. I mean, God gave us a mouth and a tongue, knowing the power it has. But it also has that same power for good and for building up and for strengthening. Um, and you guys are somewhat crippled, and it's not an excuse for you to be able to do nasty things to each other just because I said that, but you have this electronic barrier between like, true communion with each other that, I don't know, I just think when you're with your people and having a big time, everybody will leave their phone in another room because everybody's there that's supposed to be there and if you're having a good time then whatever's there it'll be there I promise when you get back all your texts will be there they don't go away unless you delete them you know you could check in later because you've got real human beings there and you could enjoy each other without continually wondering what somebody else's outside opinion is who's not there we shouldn't care what their opinion is. They're not there, they don't know what's going on, and they're not going to bring anything to the party. You know, text them and tell them to come and bring chips. You know, but that should be the extent of it. We got a little bit off topic, but anyway. Um, but like I was saying, when you've got this mass media that you guys use all the time, you kind of forget that it's not just between you and somebody else or the post. Because you think of people on your news feed on Facebook, you know, the people who post the most and your friends and all that stuff. But I'm sure this is all happening, y'all. Somebody will comment on something that was on your Facebook and it'll be the most random person, you know, your aunt or like somebody you don't even remember making a friend on Facebook and you'll run into them and they'll say, oh, yes, I know you were doing that. And you're like, how? Oh, I saw it on Facebook. And you forget that the most random people sort of who have been in your life are reading what you put up there. And then when you think about the professional creepers who are friends of friends of those people, you know, it could be literally thousands of people that read what you posted. At least hundreds. Because there's four people in my house and three of them are creepers. Okay? And I mean, like, really good ones, too friends of friends and everything, and they know, so, you know, everybody knows so much about you who, and they don't even know you. They might have met you once or whatever, you go to the same school, so you friend them, and then you say something and put it on there, 
And you really don't realize how far that spreads out. And then no matter if you delete or not, you can't take it back. Once it's gone, it's gone, just like words. Um, but there is hope in that the Holy Spirit come take residence in you and can help you control your tongue. Um, we have this continuing sanctification that happens. Once you get saved, you're a Christian, but you're a baby Christian. You don't immediately, it happened to me later in life, so I had spent more time doing what I wanted to do and what felt good at the time or whatever. So just because I accepted Jesus didn't mean automatically I was fixed. You know, I'd spent more time in the world than out of it. That's what I knew. That's how I acted. You know, I cussed and did all those things. So I didn't immediately, as soon as I got saved, boom, I never cussed again. I never lied again. I never got myself in a corner and, you know, spazzed out and wanted to beat somebody's head in or whatever. You know, all those things still happen. And it takes time. You continually grow in the sanctification process to be more Christ-like. To start that, you have to have Christ in you. The Holy Spirit has to come and reside in you for you to be able to step out of that darkness. Um, but it happens to everybody. I mean, even Peter. You know Peter from the Bible, on this rock I'll build my church. I mean, he was a beast. Um, Matthew 16, 21 through 23 says, From that time Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, or kind of argue with him, or, and say, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have my, in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This was Peter. I mean, this is, he's in this group of people, you know, all these great saints. I mean, he's one of the apostles. He's talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So if his tongue can slip, then obviously all of ours can. Because, and, and Peter wasn't even saying something bad. He was just saying, no, Lord, I don't want you to die. I love you. You know, there's got to be another way. But knowing the law, knowing that Christ was fulfilling the prophecy... He wasn't thinking in the precepts of, that came from the Lord. He was just thinking in his emotions, he didn't want Jesus to go. Even though God incarnate is standing beside him telling him this is what's going to happen. But since he didn't want that to happen, he argued with him. And then Jesus turns around and calls him Satan. I mean, talk about feeling crunchy. It's like, I mean, of anybody to call you anything and the Lord Jesus Christ calls you Satan from something you said, that probably stung a little bit, I would think. So it happens to everybody. I mean, like I said, Peter was almost he was as close to Jesus as any of the apostles. Just about. I mean, he was there. And uh, we don't want Jesus telling us, stand behind me, Satan. I mean, I would think that's the last thing any of us want. Um, this message came about because I have a big mouth and I talk a lot. And I painted myself into a corner. And it wasn't anything major. It was just something that didn't have to happen. And, but I think I'm a somewhat smart guy. 
and not to be prideful or whatever, but I always have an opinion. And because I have more experience in life than other people, I am somewhat too quick to share my opinion. And uh, if you don't meter why you're sharing your opinion, if you don't think of where your opinion's coming from, is your opinion coming from how you feel about it? Or is it coming from, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how can I lift up this person? How can I help this person in this situation? And sometimes I absolutely do that. You know, I pray and, and seek conviction of what I should say. And then sometimes somebody says something, I just spit it out. And then I'm like, I really shouldn't have done that. And now I've got to do a whole lot more talking to try and fix it. Um, so this spoke to me more so than probably than you guys, but uh, it was laid on my heart for some reason. But we should weigh our opinions or our words against what we know. Uh, instead of having those as little, what would Jesus do bracelets, we should have what would Jesus say bracelets, I guess. You, know, you should have some reminder to think, you know, if Jesus was here, I always had this thing, if you could have these, you ever seen those guys who had the puppets where it's like four puppets are on a rack and everywhere they move, it looks like four guys are moving? No? Lost you? Okay. Anyway, if you think, just think if Jesus is walking behind you all the time, you know, if you're getting ready to say something to somebody and you know Jesus is standing right there, what would you say? Well, first off, we'd all think, Oh, hang on. Jesus is standing right there. So I got to think, you know, how will this be nice and lift up this person and all that? Well, he is. He's right here all the time. The Holy Spirit is taking up residence to you. He is here on earth. He pays attention. He knows everything, everything you do, everything you say. But we pretend he's not. Um, it's just, and, and I do the same thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to be good all the time, right? I mean, it's a struggle. It's a struggle not to say the wrong thing. It's a struggle not to defame somebody, to cuss, the, you know, all those things. None of that seems all that fun until you have this right relationship with Christ. Then it's what you long for, but it doesn't happen immediately. It takes a long time of getting better. I mean, you don't see guys who are pastors slip and say a cuss word. It would be very, I mean, very strange. Because those guys have lived in the life seeking after Christ, even on, I mean, that's what they do for a living as well. So they have, their schooling, everything has been centered on that. So they have to meter what they say. I mean, if you come to Pastor Mike or Dan with a problem, you know, you don't want some snide remark, you know, which it still might be what comes to his head the first thing. You know, I'm a very sarcastic person. I mean, it is my second language, and I'm really good at it. And I honed it over years and years and years. And generally, if somebody says something, I can zap them with something that would just, if you're smart enough to get it, would just be so awesome, you know. But I don't some of the time. You know, sometimes I can't control myself, and sometimes it's just ingested and it's not hurtful. Sometimes it is. And it's just so good that I, it just comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, I shouldn't have said that even though it was terribly funny. You know, you know that's a struggle that we all go through. All of us have, you know, different crosses to bear when it comes. Some people just have a sweeter nature. 
and don't think to say something smart-butted or satirical to somebody else. And then some of us, that's like in our fiber, in our being, and you know, we just got to quell it all the time. Um, three, seven, please. So it's all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. So I don't know why, but for, for thousands of years, we've been taming animals. We've domesticated dogs. We've rode elephants. You know, we've had cobras. I'm still not sure why the guys played the flute and never wanted to have a deadly snake and to do the little thing. I mean, people like throw dollars in there. So the guy makes like eight bucks for dancing with the king cobra. Makes no sense to me. Like Shamu. Somebody took a killer whale as big as this thing and decided, you know what, I'm going to train that thing how to do tricks. I don't understand why people think like that. You know, I mean, I'm glad that there's really smart people who can do surgery like on Mike. That's awesome that somebody can do that. Why somebody decides to tame a killer whale, I don't understand that. I'm entertained by it, but, but so we can bridle horses and train bears to dance with little ballerina costumes and stuff. You know what I mean? We can do all that, but we can't even watch our own tongue. We can't stop ourselves from saying something stupid or harmful to somebody, but, you know, somebody thought up the Danes Point Bridge and then built that thing. They drew it up somewhere, and they said, yep, that'll work, and they had a bunch of guys go over there and build it, which is just astounding to me that it works and goes and cars go over all the time. I mean, that dude's really, really smart, but he also probably says stupid things. It's just confounding. What time do we finish, Dan? Okay. We'll try, let's get through the rest of the verses. Uh, James 3.8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Like I said, James is real big on this tongue thing. Um, without the Holy Spirit, you can't tame your own tongue. That's all there is to it. We think too many stupid things. We think too many mean things. It's just not possible. The Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart, though, and you can but without them, it, it's impossible. Um, let's go to three nine, so we can hit all of them. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You know, that we'll stand here and sing praise songs, and go through small groups and talk about God stuff and all that, and use that same mouth. You know, y'all ever heard that saying, you kiss your mom with that mouth? You know, well, it's just, we're so, we speak out of both sides of our mouth. You know, and it, it shouldn't be. Uh, we're running short on time, so let's get to the, uh, verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. A spring either has fresh water or salt water. It doesn't have both. So you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth. You can't defile somebody who's made in God's image. And if there's someone who's accepted with Jesus, the Holy Spirit's taking residence inside of them. You can't curse them and damn them and then they turn around and praise God. It just doesn't work. Because you're not truly praising God. If you've done that, then you've ruined this. That's all there is to it. 
Not that we all don't slip and that we all don't fail at times, but there has to be true repentance, and it has to be something that you continually work on um, so that you don't do that. But without the Holy Spirit, we just don't stand a chance. I mean, James was a really smart guy. That's why he's in the Bible. He spends a lot of time warning you of taking control of your tongue, watching what you say. So what you say is just as real as what you do. So um, that's all I got, Dan, if you want to come up and finish this up. Thanks, guys. Jake, you, you all right? Okay, good. <laughs> Laid across the front of the front right there. <laughs> the power of the tongue is huge. And, 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 and like you said, I mean, and, and it can do so much good. And, it, and you can do a ton of good and do, like you said, one small thing that throws all the good in the trash can. So you've got to, I mean, the challenge for tonight's huge. And read there in James, just sort of soak that in on the power. And it says, it, it, it goes on to say that if a man controls his tongue, he is a perfect man. If you want to be perfect in what you do, control your tongue. If you can do that, you'll be perfect. So it's something, don't take lightly. We should strive every day when we wake up going, okay, God, give me the strength to say what is right, to speak what is right, and to think before I speak so that I, what I do gives you honor and praise. Let, let's pray and we'll be dismissed tonight. Lord, we thank you so much for tonight to challenge, to use our tongues for you and not for us. Um, Lord, help us to uh, keep them in check. And Lord, we can only do that with your spirit that dwells inside of us. Uh, Lord, give us the strength uh, just to say what is right and not what is wrong. Lord, above all else, let us pr praise you and be known as, as, as students, as, as, as youth, as adults that, who, who praise you, who follow you, who seek you with our lives. God, we thank you that you love us and that you have a plan for us, God. Help us to live for you uh, and uh, to lay our lives down each day. In your son's name, amen. All right, we're dismissed. Y'all have a good week. Be praying for you. Keep that tongue in check.